think one of the things that we have enjoyed about being a family is hopefully you feel a little less pressure than you might in some places. Um, but I, I want to ask you for a very specific thing. I try not to ask you too much, but I want to ask that on March 27th that you're here in person, if you can be at all. Uh, we'll be as, as careful and as safe as we can, but I kind of want to call like an all-family Sunday. Um, we're going to have church, but a big part of church is celebrating uh, the gift that Miss Diana is to this community and that that continues. One of the things that church families don't do well is we don't do goodbyes well. This is not a forever goodbye. This is not anything like this. This is just a we've got another friend to visit in Missouri kind of goodbye. And we don't do transitions well. We don't do the end and beginnings of seasons well. And so we're going to as we're unpacking things, we're going to unpack that. And just from a very personal note, uh, I mean, Miss Diana is one of the greatest gifts. God has taught me so much through our friendship and through um, just getting to live beside one another. There are some definite seasons where I leaned on her faith. And that was enough to get us both through. And so um, it's going to be a happy day. We're going to celebrate. We're going to pray over Miss Diana. We're going to thank our Father for our Father's goodness. Um, but I do want to ask that we just, if you can, be here that day. Please physically be here. We'll put it in the email too because, frankly, I know some people aren't here in person or online, and that's okay. Um, but on that day, it'd be great to be together. Okay. So we're in this unpacking series, and honestly, we've been where I have, I feel this great need to unpack, like, what actually is the gospel? Because I think particularly in this city, um, but throughout this country, we just don't quite know it. We kind of, like I said, we kind of make ourselves the center of it and misplace the gospel. Uh, you guys know I love talking about the difference in first century culture to ours or the way that the first hearers would have heard something compared to what, how we hear things. And we've just done that for the last month. And I've got like another 20 weeks that I could talk about things, ways that we need to unpack in that direction. But a very gentle friend in our community said last week that, uh, Matt, I think for the most part, I think this church is okay with Jesus. I don't think that's what we need to unpack so much. I think we need to unpack ourselves, and I think we need to unpack the church. We need to unpack our stories and some pain and some emotion and all that. And I was like, well, goodness, that sounds less fun. Let me sit in my first century thoughts. That's more fun. Um, but this friend was very gentle and very correct, I think. And so I went and just prayed on it some, and God didn't, like, with a real Morgan Freeman voice, tell me exactly what to do, but I just had this strong sense that, like, yeah, that's right. And, uh, frankly, probably a little scarier, so probably why I wanted to just talk on these other things that matter greatly, but they don't impact as much every day. And so we're going to go back to a text 
that I realize that I've talked about this on a Sunday and in our slow invasion, but I think we could spend months in this, and we're not going to, we're just going to spend one day. Uh, we're going to go back to the garden again, and uh, I want to invite you to turn to uh, Genesis 3, if you like to read along. If you're not one who re reads along, I really want to invite you to imagine the situation today, okay? So I'm going to read just these four verses, and I want to invite you to imagine what it looked like, sounded like, felt like, all those kind of things. Let's not worry about, like, the historical nature of any of it. That, that's not what we're going to, we've done that at different points. Last time we unpacked what a curse was and what it is, all that, you can go back and listen. I just want you to imagine this scene as it plays out, okay? It's 3, 8 through 11 if you want to read along. But let me read this for us. They being uh, so far unnamed man and woman, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? The man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. The Lord God then said, who told you that you were naked? So there's this, this phrase, this is the NRSV, each translation kind of does it different, that said that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Okay, so in Hebrew, which is what this is written in, there's, there's just less words. They have vastly less words than English. So there's this word ruach that means breeze or wind, it means breath, and it means spirit. So if you think through like the Genesis accounts where God breathes his breath, that's the same word as spirit. That's the same word as wind, breeze. All of these are the same. So in that time, you had to like choose. Even now, like they have to choose which English word they put. But it would have meant all of that, right? So it says the man and his wife. I'm going to call them Adam and Eve because that's familiar to us, okay? So it says that Adam and Eve hear the Lord God walking in the garden in the evening breeze. And it makes me wonder, what are they hearing? Are they hearing the breeze on the trees? Was there a breeze before? Or did the breeze kind of come with God's presence, which we know in other parts of Scripture, that's how God shows up? Is in a wind, in the spirit, right? That's the same word. That's how God shows up. And when that breeze came, was it gentle? As you imagine it, was it gentle? Or was it like a storm? Adam's afraid. Just as you imagine. What? Was it gentle? Was it a storm? What, what about the spirit showing up? How, how do you perceive that? In the ancient Near East, God was seen in everything, right? In every wind, God was seen. 
and understood the wind blew because God had the wind blow. And a lot of us understand life that way now. And I think there's great advantages as we see the power of God. And then some of us, as we kind of unpack things, are like, no, God's not in these things. That's just, and I don't know. I think there's some, there's some reason to think on all of this. But, but here, what we see is they, they would see that a wind showed up because God had the wind show up. And maybe that's what they even heard and knew that God was in the wind. And God was present in that. So how do you, as I read it, as you think on it, how do you see the wind? Is it refreshing, cool breeze and kind of a desert air? Or is it really destructive? I think the way that we see God showing up in our life is really dependent on how we understand a couple things. And let me kind of say it this way. Last time I went up to see my family, I got together with my cousins, and one of my older cousins told me this story uh, that I just can't get out of my head this weekend. And he told me that we used to have this big family reunion called Bay Lake. Went to Bay Lake, we like big cabin, and then people like me were in tents and then sleeping in the garage. There's like 100 people on this property. Just, wow, like a ton of boats going out all day and all this. Well, the older cousins were up to some shenanigans at this Bay Lake, I guess. And he told me this story that they were all pretending they were adults when they weren't. And they were partaking in things and all this. And one of them was the lookout. And the lookout's job was to hear the uncles coming. Because if they heard an uncle coming, they had to hide all the, everything, right? Well, the lookout wasn't looking out very well. And the uncle snuck up, and uh, just fear overtook this little camp. And then they saw that the uncle was my dad. And my dad didn't look at what was going on. My dad just said, whatever you took, better be there by morning or my brothers will find out. And there was some fear in my cousins, and they figured out how to replace things and, and make stuff happen. And, but th this story, I think, has a lot to say about like when, when God shows up in our life. I'm not saying my dad is God, but when an authority shows up, how we see their appearing is depending on their character, right? When someone says, you're, when you were little, and they said that your main caregiver, hey, you're... you're your mom is almost home, or your dad is almost home. Who your mom or dad is de determines a lot of what you're feeling. Well, dad's always crabby when he gets back from work. I gotta give him some space, I gotta make sure I'm out of the living room in the kitchen so he can do whatever he needs to do. I need to clean up because if mom sees that there's a mess, she's gonna be really mad because she's really tired, whatever it is. It's really dependent on the character of that authority figure, but it's also dependent on how we are doing and how we see ourselves and what we're up to. And really what this morning, let's just call it our primary or our first identity, the very first thing we think of ourselves. So if you are like my cousins in that story, any authority coming is bad because you're up to something you shouldn't be up to. Their primary identity is they're wrong. They're being 
being naughty. I remember a time that I, I broke a hole in my wall in my room, playing Nerf basketball. I was probably working on some Michael Jordan moves. I lost my balance, poked a hole in the wall, and that became the new place where the poster went. And my dad was flying home a couple days later. And I remember thinking, like, do I quick learn how to mud and paint without Google, without YouTube? Or do I just move the poster? I just moved the poster. A couple years later, when he found it, we had a conversation. But I, I messed up. My primary thought of myself is I screwed up. So when he's coming home, I'm afraid. Other times, when he's coming home and I didn't do anything stupid, I was like, oh, I'm his boy. I'm the beloved. I got a funny story to tell. I've got something. Like, whatever I saw first as my identity really, really mattered. And how we understand the character of the authority, right? That's true of parents or uncles or something like that. Bosses. It's also true of how we see God. When God is coming to meet with you, what do you feel? Does that feel refreshing? Or does that feel like a storm? The question God asked of Adam and that God asks of us is where are you? Where are you? Adam was terrified. That wind may have been just a light breeze, but I think for him it felt like a hurricane. I don't see any reason to think that it was, but I think it felt like one for him. And he was hiding because his primary identity was that he screwed up. And if you feel like you have screwed up, read Genesis 3. Because pretty much all of human history has blamed Adam and Eve, right? For thousands of years, we've been like, no, I'm, I'm pretty bad, but I didn't do that. Like, they're the ones who screwed up. If there was anyone who should run and hide because their primary identity is they went away from God, it is Adam and Eve. And they went and they hid, and then God said, where are you? And they said, we hid because we're naked. And all of us would say, yes, you are the screw-up, but not God. That's not what God said. God pointed out what they had done, but God clothed them. God provided for them. God began to change how they saw themselves and remind them of how they saw him. So my question for you again is where are you? Where's God? Where are you? Maybe you're in a season where you feel like you are right next to God. That you're walking hand in hand, that you're close, that you're hearing from God. If that is true, and I hope that that's true, Make a marker of it. Sometimes we don't really celebrate. Rejoice in that. Share that with somebody. Let that story be an encouragement for someone else. When we feel so close to God, we need to cherish that time. It's beautiful. Those seasons are fantastic. And at times when you're not feeling that, you will then remember and, and long for that. So maybe when I ask, where are you? You're like, well, I'm right. I'm walking close to God. Maybe you're hiding. And if you're hiding, I would ask, well, why are you hiding? 
Are you afraid of who God is? That could be. Are you afraid of your, your primary identity is too much for God? That thing that you did or that thing that you said or that thing you didn't do or whatever that is, that it's too much for God and too bad for God so you need to hide? That might be, that's us sometimes. To know everything that I see in Scripture and everything I know in my life experience and my friends' experience is that God can handle it. They were never really too much. And God's still going to seek us. But sometimes we can, we can misunderstand the seeking, right? We can misunderstand what God's doing. So Anna and I have this little game that we play. Actually, all four of us kind of play it. It's really embarrassing, but it's fun. Uh, one time, kind of accidentally, there was some show about a monster, and it got a little scary, so then we had to make it a joke. And Anna was laying by me, and there was a, we were on a blanket. So I put the blanket over my head, and I said, we have a monster problem. I pretend I was the monster. So then Anna just hits me with everything she can find, because I'm the monster, right? And I thought it was fun, and so then I stand up, do the same thing. She tackles me, Durant comes flying, like we're all fighting, because I'm the monster. That's a really fun game. And that's what the blanket became for, is for the monster. But then a couple nights later, I was trying to get her to settle down and go to sleep, which is like trying to like, wrangle a herd of cats. She finally laid on the couch, and I took that same stupid blanket, and I picked it up to put it over her. And it worked like adrenaline for her. She was sure we had a monster problem. And I was like, no, we don't. Like, this is, we're not playing monster. I'm trying to tuck you in. I'm trying to put you to sleep here, let, let, let you rest. And she just got all excited, wanting to hit me with everything she could find, because we got a monster problem. And I say that to just say that sometimes we misunderstand God coming towards us. And we think God's coming as this destructive wind. We think that God is angry and against, and God is holy. And God is just, and God is for you, and God is with you, and God's intentions are to reconcile us all, and to make us whole. And sometimes when we feel like maybe God's coming near, or even someone is coming near, we get all rustled up and afraid that we've got a monster problem, and God's really just coming to bring some comfort. So where are you? Are you right beside God? Are you, are you hiding? Recently I told a friend that I, I feel close to God, but I feel like we're like working together, like we're co-workers. Not to say I'm even to God, but like I just feel like we have these tasks and I, and I miss like just putting on a record and having space with God where we're just wondering and talking. I, I miss that and carved out some time for that once I realized it. And that's the point of this question, right? It's just to realize, where am I? I'm moving too fast. I'm a little bit afraid. I'm right where I want to be. Now, we're often in these places because we believe either something about us or something about God, and that's why we bring this up. 
okay, God, is there something about you that you want to change? Something about the way that I understand you you want to change? Or there's something about me you want me to let go of? And that's the second question that we've looked at a lot. Who told you? There's so many voices telling us about ourselves, and it's like we put a microphone to a few of them. I want to encourage you to just see who told you. That you that you believe you are, whose voice is the one that said it? Where are they located? Are they in your past? Are they present? Are they future anticipated voices that you're sure someone's going to say that? Instead of feeling shame that you've elevated their voices if they're saying negative things or something, shame rarely has helped anybody. Just listen more to the voices that see the truer us. That's part of the gift Miss Diane has been for me. Just been a constant voice who reminded me of the faithfulness of our Father. Sometimes when I am likely to forget or feel worn out, she'll have energy that I don't have, and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right, that's who our God is. And I've needed to just kind of turn the microphone to her. Turn the microphone to God. To hear who God says that I am and who God says that God is. Those other people that I used to listen to a lot, their voices just get quieter when I have healthier voices. I'm not fighting against that anymore. I'm just, well, no, who are the voices I want to listen to? So instead of feeling shame or embarrassment or, or really being driven to prove them wrong, Let's, let's find some, some voices who see God and see us. That's part of what this is, right? That's part of why we have faith together. Is that hopefully here you have some people who see you. Who can catch you being faithful. Who can catch you being kind and gracious. Be like, I see you. And I know that's you. remind us of who our Father is. May God's with us. So I want to invite you this week to just ask these questions. Two simple questions. Where are you? And maybe sit in if you're a journal or journal. If you're a doodle or doodle. But just ask God, okay, where am I? With you. Not a shameful thing. Don't assume you're hiding. I'm not assuming you're hiding. And then when you think of who you are and you think of who God is, who told you? And there's one more step I'd want to ask. If it's somebody who's showing you with clarity, if you've got that microphone up to a voice that is helping you see God or helping you see yourself, then take one more step and tell them. Because we don't do this well. They're helping you see yourself more clearly, either with a text or a letter or a phone call. Say like, hey, you, I, thank you. We don't know how much that helps to, to just know that we need each other. That makes some sense? So I know we've explored that text a hundred times, but it's real rich to me. My prayer is that this, this week, 
We don't see God as this destructive storm coming after us. But this cool breeze that wants to be with us. That if we're hiding, we come out of hiding. And that the ones who tell us are the ones who see the truest us. Who know our Father well. So let me pray that we do just that, okay?